Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the professor, Greg Dooley, and the pundit, Steve Clark. Men, take the mic. That's right. This is the Professor and the Pundit with Greg Dooley and Steve Clark. We are presented by Nick Hopwood, who's a certified financial planner. He's the founder and president of Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Greg, on the show today is one of our favorites from another organization that reports very heavily on Michigan football all year long. And that's Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. One of my favorites. He's a frequent guest speaker in my classes. Just when I have ideas about things, he's in my inner circle, along with Steve Clark, of guys that I bounce ideas off of. Just love him. And he's so smart. Such an awesome writer. And I really think you guys will really like this chat where we get to know Seth a little bit, his background, his amazing recruiting trip on campus, if you, if you want to call it that, and really just more about Seth and MGO Blog, which is fascinating to me. So what's been going on with you over the past week? Well, the big thing, I went to the Woodson outing. So this is the event on Main, where they shut down Main Street in Ann Arbor. For those familiar with downtown, basically it's the Chop House, what used to be Grazzi, I think Palio. Real seafood? Definitely real seafood. And they shut all that down, and they basically put a giant tent in between those restaurants right on Main Street and close it down. And they have a benefit for the hospital. And it's hosted by Charles Woodson. It's kind of an extension of what used to be the Greasy Hutchinson outing. In fact, now it's a partnership between Woodson, Greasy, and Hutchinson. It benefits Charles Foundation and the Mott Children's Portion, which is named after Charles. And it's a sweet event. But what it's kind of turned into is a reunion of that kind of era, that, that late 90s, the 97 team, very, very, very well represented there. So it's a chance not only to benefit the hospital, to have a good time, and they do an awesome job. They have an awesome band and all this stuff. It's, it's a ton of fun. But then you get to kind of rub elbows. For me, have a cigar with guys like Glenn Steele. I met, oh, Eric Anderson I met down there as well. Had a long conversation with him, four-time. Uh, all four years, he was the leading tackler, Greg. And the only one at Michigan to say that. Yeah, so like Woodson, Greasy, Hutchinson, of course, those guys all hanging out. Really cool event. It had a big Lloyd Carr theme, right? Oh, President Ono was there and said a few words and said some nice things about Coach Carr. Did he remember you? Um, I didn't get a chance. <laughs> His security. No, he, he, I didn't get a chance to say hi. There, there are a lot of people there. And Mary Sue Coleman actually ate dinner right by us. And so she was there supporting the event. Actually, I'm speaking to President Ono. We're having a one-on-one here um, very soon, and I must say, part of it is to get him back to uh, <laughs> get him back to speak in my class. He, his first guest lecture at the University of Michigan was in my class, and I do wear that as a badge of honor. And it's quite a feather in your cap as well. Well, I appreciate it. And we started exchanging emails over a mutual interest. He, he actually, his undergrad is at the University of Chicago, and I noticed that he took an interest in Amos Alonzo Stagg and the history of Chicago and some of those great battles with Yost that not only settled what was the Western Conference or Big Ten, but also the national championship when, you know, looking back. And I kind of connected with him, and I shared uh, John Crick's book with him, Stag versus Yost. 
and we've kind of had a relationship since then. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so... You're going steady? Hardly. Um, <laughs> I don't think... I think he would have me arrested if I tried to come up and say hi to him. No, he's he's been really cool, but... But enough where I can email them and, hey, do you have 15 minutes to chat or have coffee just to check in? And the answer was, yeah, let's let's connect. So occasionally we, we check in with each other. And, it, yeah, it's really cool. I, I'm, I'm only teasing because it is quite an accomplishment. And you're not Chris Farley, you know, interviewing Paul McCartney. <laughs> you remember when you were with the Beatles? You're, you're, not, you're definitely not. not that. Yeah. No, you're not like that at all. You're very, very smooth, very likable. Uh, you could talk to anybody. You could talk to Santa Ono, and you could talk to the guy at Main Street, a complete stranger. No, so. I'm more like that with Woodson. Like, hey, man, <laughs> remember that putt return? <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. So Woodson's so funny. He speaks at the event on Main on stage, and the other guys do, and he's so good. Like, he visited the hospital earlier in the day, and he told a story of meeting one of the children, and the, one of the children gave him a piece of art that they were working on when he was there, and he showed the piece of art. And I'm like, gosh, he's so effective. And I'm so mad because the guy is arguably the most talented football player <laughs> that I've seen, and he's so good at like speaking and doing all the things he does in his business, and he's just so successful. I'm very jealous. He's a really cool dude. Who else? Oh, Steve, I sat with Sean Crable. Number now, two. What is the first thing? The other number two. That's right. Now, what is the first thing that comes to mind in all Michigan fans when I mention that name? Unfortunately, I keep thinking of the late hit in Columbus. Exactly. So I'm sitting there, and I just meet him at the dinner, and he sits at our table, and it's just six of us, right, there with our dates. I was there with Mrs. M. Victors. And, of course, I meet Sean Crable, by the way, who is an absolute giant of a beast of a man who looks like he just walked off the football field. Like, yeah. just completely in shape. And, and I know in his day, he was big for his position. He's huge for his position today. Right. Smith was going out of bounds. Personal foul. A huge call with 6.49 to go. I feel bad bringing this up because, and, and you asking me this, because well, this is I'm, where I'm, sure, going. Yeah. I, I'm sure he has made plays that have won the game for Michigan. But unfortunately, in the one versus two matchup in 2006 in Columbus and Michigan and Ohio State are trading scores, Michigan needs to get Ohio State off the field in the fourth quarter. And it looks like they did, except for that late hit, kept the drive alive. Ohio State continued to go from one score to two score, and we couldn't catch up. Yes, and leave aside the fact that a lot of people think it was a crappy call. Michigan will debate this. Crable. And, and, and it was a call that was made because of his size and speed and, and the athleticism. But, Steve, I'm sitting uh, two feet away from him, and we're talking, and, and I'm just like, do I, do I, bring, <laughs> do I bring up this play? Because here, here's why I didn't want to bring it up. Because I feel like, just like you, it was the first thing you thought of, I feel like it's the first thing on every single person's mind. And I just wonder how many people meet him for the first time and just go, oh, man, that play, like it's a shadow. And I just wonder if, if he doesn't want to be solely identified by that. But obviously, we're sitting here talking about it. Steve, it was all I could think of. <laughs> Even, you know, dinner, you know, salad course, dinner course, dessert, coffee, you know, drinks. Don't say it, Dooley. Don't do it. Don't talk about it, and I and I and, and not because he couldn't handle it, and I know he would have, especially after a long conversation about other things. I could have easily brought it up. I just I just decided. So when you dropped your silverware, 
next to him and you reached for it you looked up and held up your hands right like don't don't (laughs) don't reach for it at the same time don't hit me right i'm going down i'm already down on one knee picking things up don't hit me right come on man so no through his through my napkin up in the air no he he, yellow no he was Was a maze napkin he was very he was very cool glenn Steele, very cool also a giant dude rob sweat who I've had one of his children in my class. Wow. Got to know a, a lot. Very cool dude. Has a little bit of a twang. He's a Texas guy. A little Texas twang in his voice. As most of that defense was from Texas in, yeah, the, in, the, in the mid-90s. Very, very cool bunch of dudes. Very cool. And the, and I'll say this. the Between that and the golf outing they had the next day, I believe they raised almost a million dollars. So it was right around that number, which is kind of incredible for a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hats off to Woodson and, and the rest of the crew. My, my boy, Scotty Passink, who's friends with Charles, who works with development for the hospital and Kristen Finn, who's another organizer. They just did an awesome job. So shout out to them, Steve. I didn't do a Larry David thing. I was very respectful when they were having the more serious moments during the, the speeches and stuff like that. I didn't interrupt. I didn't eat my food. I was a much better boy. Excellent. But, thank you. Yes, the, the last time, yes, you were, we, we were worried about you being caught on the giant screen video eating because you, your, your position next to the dais was very close. Oh, also chatted with Sarah Murray, of course, Veda Murray's widow, and his mm-hmm. awesome daughter, Kendall, who's a mm-hmm. volleyball star at Michigan mm-hmm. and just a wonderful young woman. Chatted with them a little bit. So just a great, we had an awesome time. And they do the golf the next day. So... Which people ask, did you golf? Did you do the golf thing? And I don't because I know that night is they have an after hours event there. And it, it's basically in Chop House and La Dolce Vita, which is next door now. And they have a DJ and all this stuff and drinks. And, and you can smoke a cigar in the basement of the Chop House. It's awesome, right? But I know we're going to be out late. <laughs> and I don't want to drag myself out of bed and try to go to this golf. I know these are first world problems. But I know myself better than that, Steve. I don't want to regret signing up for the golf. And and from what I understand, there are a lot of people. These guys are getting older, too. I don't know if they all have their fastball anymore. And, you know, these guys are approaching 50, the 97 team, right? And so, yeah, I, I'm not doing that golf. But it was fun. It was an awesome event. It is interesting when you go to these events. There are generations for each decade of Michigan football. Yeah. And uh, the 90s group was certainly there. There is a 2000s group. There is certainly a 1980s group. And there is certainly a 1970s group. Oh, big time. Yeah, big time. Yeah, well, we, we talked about the factions and the, and the different slices and dices of things. And there's so many, like, off-the-field things that shift people's alliances. So I actually think there's a Harbaugh group that's separate from, say, the traditional bow group, which is weird to say, but... Maybe one day we'll break down the current state of all the factions. But I do know one thing, that beating Ohio State two years in a row tends to bring everybody together a lot, a lot yes, quicker. Yes, a lot easier. But, but Greg, <laughs> let's not think about how we break down the factions. Let's think about how we can build bridges. When you there go to you these go. events, I think you, you, know, you have the access to build the bridges between the 80s and the 90s and the, and the 2000 teams. No, you're right. It's, it's bridges. <laughs> when, yeah. That means it's halftime on The Professor and the Pundit. Well, an unexpected change in my family generated a tremendous amount of financial questions that I didn't have answers to, especially when it came to investing and tax consequences. The sponsor of this program, Peak Wealth Management, can help you handle all of these types of questions 
and at the very least, can confirm what you think you know, and at best, create legal strategies that you didn't know existed or thought was possible. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, CFP, from Peak Wealth Management. You probably went to Michigan, and you're probably super smart and successful. But don't reinvent the wheel when it comes to your finances. Work with someone who sponsors the content you love, someone who shares a common interest, a fiduciary. Work with a team of CFPs, the team, the team, the team. Learn more about my team at peakwm.com. Retire with confidence. Joining us now is Seth Fisher. He's the editor and business manager for MGo Blog. Perhaps you've heard of it. A lot of people have, like a half a million people have. The Michigan Summer Preview Magazine is a must for all Michigan fans. It's coming out very soon. And the professor has been a contributor to the yearly preview magazine. Seth, thanks for joining us here on The Professor and the Pundit. Thank you, guys. I've been hearing all about this podcast. I'm excited to finally uh, be part of the show. Well, I think it was a must uh, to have you on. We've known each other quite a long time. I was joking with Steve, like, what are we going to talk about with Seth? And I go, I don't know, Steve, but whenever I go ever go on the MGO podcast or one of your shows that you do, we talk for like two and a half hours. Right. <laughs> so we don't seem to have a problem <laughs> with content. But one of my favorite people in the world, we're going to talk a little bit about Hail to the Victors, the preseason mag. And I submitted, of course, a couple pieces in it. It's coming out soon. We got to talk about the situation, which is the shirt uh, is coming out with the magazine as well. It's brilliant. It's it's brilliant. And I want to get into that. But first, Seth, I don't know how often you do this kind of thing on Michigan Airwaves, but I know a little bit about your background and your background is particularly at Michigan. But can you talk about your days at, at Michigan a little bit, including you worked at the Daily, right? And, yeah. And maybe how that influenced you? Yeah, man. So when I was 11 years old, I went and spent a weekend with my cousin, who was an engineering student up there at the time. And he took me to the game, and Desmond Howard ran circles around some, maybe Maryland, maybe Indiana. I don't remember which which game it was. They were in red. And I got, like, the best hot cider in the world. I got the best pancakes in the world. And I, I was like, this is this is it. I got I to gotta get here. And, like, his two female roommates walked around with no shirts on in his apartment. So I, I, I remembered that, too. So I'm like, I got to get to Michigan. And I get to Michigan, and, and like the pancake place is gone, and Desmond Howard's gone, and the women are all clothed. But um, <laughs> it, 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 other than that, I mean, it was the place I needed to be. I needed to be challenged a lot more than I was in high school. And I always wanted to be a journalist, and I thought that's what my path was going to be. And that's what people said. I, I worked at a restaurant in high school, and I, one of the regulars was Mitch Album. So I we'd kind of just wander over to his table when he was there and he'd give me a bit of advice and what to do and basically just warn me to stay out of this industry because it's dying. But I thought that was my path. I was going to do Michigan Daily and then I was going to newspaper and whatnot. And the Daily is kind of like being on a sports team except you're allowed to get paid and no one cares. So that that's what it was. I was there to do the Daily and then I was a history major and then I'd go back to the Daily and September 11th happens and I go to the Daily, you know, like, Stay, stay on the wire all day and I was mostly working editorial I wanted to do sports originally but you kind of had to work your way up and that was when I came across people who are way more talented than I am and a lot of them are you know working for the Yankees now working for ESPN now like the it's a who's who of people that I was on the staff with so that's kind of the thing of the daily you're you're going against the best and that that experience taught me how hard I had to work if I wanted to show up in this business at all. 
So is it competitive there? or Because it seems to me, and I have students who write for the Daily, and I know they have a ton of students, and they describe the same thing. is mm-hmm. like you kind of got to, I wouldn't say muscle your way in, but just be around and raise your hand and say, I'll do that, and kind of hope to get that shot. I, I'd be surprised if people understand like that aspect of it. It's almost like an SNL thing, Steve, right? Where you're kind of, maybe you're a writer, but you want to be in a skit. <laughs> Did you feel like it was competitive there? Or it, I mean, I liken it to being. A, I I don't want to say that we were like the athletes because we absolutely, you know, <laughs> the athletes <laughs> are the athletes. But it's that kind of thing where everybody who comes in wants to do that, or most of the people want to do this for a career, and the the seniors are way better at it because they've been practicing this craft, and and everyone's very serious about it, right? I want to do this. I want to get better. So you go to the meeting and you're expecting an assignment. No one's going to sign anything, but you can be useful. And the, the trick is to just kind of hang around and find different ways of being useful to them. doesn't matter what you see. So you learn how to do all sorts of things. You learn how to do layout. You learn how to work on, back then, working on the wire meant just like sitting and watching the stuff come in from the AP and like, you know, trying to download the photos and anything you could do, you did to still be there, right? And if you were there and something happens and then you have an idea that you want to go cover or something comes about in class, we were talking, uh, we were reading Eric Foner uh, in history about like the history of how the U.S. agricultural uh, system really kind of screwed African-Americans. And then I said, okay, well, how, what, what happened in the last 10 years? And I started looking into it. And Dennis Archer was the mayor of Detroit at the time. He was from the town Cassopolis, which had been really devastated by these policies. And so I, I brought that. And that was like my entry. That was the, the when I finally got to be, you know, a writer. Was my, that was my first big contribution. And after you've got something, then they'll assign you something else because they know you'll go and put it out. But I wouldn't say it's like competitive, like you're trying to like – you know, step on top of each other. Everyone's there to help each other. It's competitive in the same way that, like, this guy's coming up, and when he's gone, I'm going to step into his role, uh, and, and I, I'm going to take on as many jobs as I can so they don't want to get rid of me. I was curious about the people who are competing at the Daily. Do most of them want to be in sports but end up having to take, <laughs> like, the student council beat or <laughs> off-campus crime? I'd say more people come in for sports and and. Um, and art than end up in sports and art. I didn't end up in sports because what you got to do is you have to start covering the lower end, um, the sport. You know, well, you end up on a beat, right? Like you can get you can get assigned to a beat if you prove yourself enough, and then you got to work your way up, and then hopefully end up on you know hockey or basketball or or you know football. But football goes to the editors. They're the ones who like you have to be there for years and really kind of beat everybody else out. And you can kind of look around and start reading people's stuff as freshmen and look around who else is in your class and realize, wow, John Schwartz is going to run circles around me. I can't, I don't have a chance against this guy, you know? Right. When you first start, like I'm getting the golf beat. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm getting tennis. And then hopefully I can work my way up as a junior or a senior. I can start getting into these more high profile sports. I got to imagine that there's probably a few guys with parents with a lot of money who become seven-year undergrads, and they become seven years just so that they can elevate <laughs> themselves up to the daily to become an editor and work the Michigan football I, league. I don't remember anyone doing that. Um, I definitely see uh, you know, people who showed up earlier, like in high school, like some of the townies, and they 
they were a little annoying because like they, how dare you, <laughs> right? I was, I'm a high school senior and I'm doing my high school paper and you're already hanging around the daily and like now they already know your name and you already have a, a leg up. That was the only thing. You're on like a half year program. So, uh, or, or the, the, the year doesn't start until halfway through really. The new editors for like the following fall are assigned uh, for winter like before then. So the junior, junior year is when you can kind of step into those editor roles. So it, it happens way faster than that. And after that, like, you can be an emeritus. You can hang around. People were around for their fifth years. I don't remember anyone past fifth year. But really, it was like your mid- middle of your junior year, you have to be on top. But like I said, you know by then. Like, I knew who was a good writer my grade, I knew who was a really good writer, the grade ahead of me in sports and, and in editorial where I was in. Um, and then I just got involved in editorial probably because it was the easiest thing to do. Like, I just, the, when, you, when they needed someone to pick up, you go to the editorial board meeting and then there's articles on the table to write and you can grab as many of them as you want to. And that's what I was doing. That's awesome, man. That's, that's awesome. So, Brian, he started MGO Blog in what, like 2005, 2006? Yeah, the end of 2004. So it had been like the, that Rose Bowl against um, Vince Young. Okay, and yeah. Brian, just just shout out, just an incredibly talented guy, an amazing writer with a very particular voice that I don't think was out there. And so what was your first foray in MGO Blog? Was it as a like a message board guy, MGO board guy, or what? How, yeah, how I was kind of, I was yeah. kind of off the message board. I knew who Brian was in college because I knew some every three weekly people. I didn't know Brian personally, but I knew some of his friends. I knew the every three weekly crew. Uh, so I had an idea. I knew that like this every three weekly guy was doing a, uh, a a blog, and I remembered some of his articles in the every three weekly that I thought were funny, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta check that out one time. And then Michigan was playing Northwestern in 2007. Uh, and it was because Comcast was having this great piss-off with, uh, with the Big Ten Network at the time, right? I could not get the game at home, so I had to go to a bar to watch it. So I met my friend in a bar, and he was, like, telling me about how MGO Blog... I knew what MGO Blog was, but I hadn't been reading it regularly. He told me how, like, the site went pink and put up kittens, and they called Appalachian State the horror. And I'm like, okay, I'll go check it out. And I ended up that night staying up all night and reading the entire history of MGO Blog. I'm a very fast reader, but and it still took me like I stayed up the whole, you know pulled an all nighter and just read. So after that, I was hooked and I was writing stuff. I used to write emails to my friends, like previewing Michigan or talking about the game or whatever. And they were like long emails. They were like full articles that would just be emails to my friends. <laughs> and I just emailed them the last one and was like, "Go read this," and I sent them a link to MGO Blog. And then I would put what I used to write, I would write those in the diaries. And I had a couple of very, very long diaries that were like three-parters, and Brian would put them on the front page. And finally, in 2009, he invites me to come and meet with him. And so I sit down with him, and there's another guy, there's a bald football coach, and you can tell he's a foot. you know, sometimes you can tell a guy's a football coach just by looking at him. And Brian doesn't say a word, and the football coach just lays into me for about an hour about how wrong I was about Cover 3. And by the end of this, I have a fair idea of what Cover 3 is, and I have no idea about anything else what's going on. <laughs> the coach leaves, and Brian says, all right, I guess you should write for me. Uh, I'll pay you this much, and I need someone to copy edit, and you can take over Dear Diary. And I'm like, 
cool. And that was how it started. I was just a part-timer. When Tom Van Haren was leaving, I was a publisher of a trade magazine. I was—I I'd worked my way up through the trade magazine world. Uh, my magazine was called Pollution Engineering. It's now defunct, but uh, environmental industry magazine. And I knew how to publish a magazine, So I and I was already editing Hail of the Victors. So I told Brian, why don't we just take this thing independent? I know how to publish a magazine. I have all these connections in the print world. And I'll put it together myself, and then we'll save all this money instead of dealing with this horrible company that was publishing it back then that went out of business. That's right. As we left. I forgot about that. There was like a, a company. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah Maple Street yeah. Press was, was That's name. right. That's yeah. Right. And they didn't yeah. pay us. They didn't pay anybody for like the 2011 book. So at that point, it was just like, let's, let's go. So I put that together. At the same time, ESPN took Tom Van Heeren, and Rivals took uh, Tim uh, is it Sullivan. Tim Sullivan, yeah. Um, who I I only met Tim a couple of times, but I'd ne- I'd met Van Heeren a bunch whenever we got together for beers and stuff. And he's, is he at ESPN still? Worse? Yeah, he's not? still at ESPN. He's like golf beat or something now. Yeah, well, I I, I don't know if they've moved him around. I think he was but doing he's been doing general recruiting for a long time there. Yeah, they originally they were going to create like a Michigan centric piece, and then that fell apart. But anyway, he was doing some of the business for Brian at the time too. So I took over. I said if I take over the business stuff and I do the Hail the Victors book every year. And then I try to publish this Hail to Victors thing with other schools. That will be a career. And I managed to convince my wife of this. Right. <laughs> we, were wait, we were all hey, waiting for that. Seth, who, who, who was the hardest person to convince, Brian or your wife? It was my wife. Uh, it, was, it was like, you're what? <laughs> so I did, I did that in 2012. We were in that stage and we were trying to buy a house. And she was like, you're going to leave your good job. And I'm like, my good job is dying. This is trade magazines. No one's going to print magazines in 2012 anymore. The industry collapsed in 2008 already, and I was, it was limping along, and I knew everyone was going to get shrunk eventually anyway. So it just kind of happened that fall 2012 that they were going to move me around in the, in, the, in the company to like a lower position, and I just published Hail of Victors uh, independently, and it had done well. And, um, and Tom Van Heeren left, and so I just jumped and did it. And it worked for a couple of years, and then 2014, no one was really interested in football, and I wasn't making very much money. Um, my dad had just passed away, and we got kind of hosed because I made a bad decision on the book. And it, we just bought a new house, and we just had a new baby, and it kind of looked like it wasn't going to happen. And I started to finally, you know, listen to my inner self going, you kind of need to provide your, for your family. And then Harbaugh happened. <laughs> That's right. And that beer clink when Harbaugh happened was just like the that was the moment it, it was going to work. So uh, Jim Harbaugh yeah. changed your life. Jim Harbaugh really he did. Think about how interested people were. And basketball is great and, and it it helps. But like we have five hundred thousand readers in football season and two hundred thousand readers off of football season. It's a half a million. Yeah. During football season. Yes. Well, it, they're Michigan fans and they're nerds and we're the Michigan site for nerds. So Greg. We have a mission. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're, we're, we're reaching up to that. 150 at a time. Well, and I and I will say I have Seth as a guest speaker in my classes, and he's phenomenal. And I can kind of plug Seth. I can kind of plug you into almost anything, whether it's history or I had him in an NIL. Why, Steve? Because of that reach, right? Mm-hmm. Like he has the pulse to me of the fan base, of the athletic department, of other people 
And just to hear his perspective, I knew it would be valuable. And Seth, it was. You were, again, one of the more popular <laughs> guests I've had in my class. So thank you, man. Yeah. Very cool. That's Very that's cool. incredible because you gave me a – they started listing off all the people who'd come to that class. And it's like, you know, the, the new director for NIL from Michigan and – you know, Santa Ono had been by and like <laughs> right. and Seth Fisher. It's like what <laughs> my name does not hold up. <laughs> Wrong, Seth. That's it's funny you say that, but you resonate more with a lot of the students than a lot of my guests. And I'm not saying you're you're Santa Ono, okay, but you're solid. You're solid. So thank you. <laughs> and speaking of contributing, so Brian asked me to contribute years ago to Hail to the Victors, and I try to every year. This year two pieces. And what happened was I wrote, Seth said, well, just write on NIL. And of course, being the historian, I started out with a long history of cheating, scandals, paying players, scholarships, like oversight. And the thing ended up being like 9,000 words. Okay. So I sent it to my buddy, our buddy, John Crick, right? The great author of Natural Enemies and Stag versus Yost. And he calls me, he goes, dude, what are you doing? Because what's what's your thesis here, your paper? And of course, I'm like, I just wanted to talk about stuff. So I actually split it into kind of two very separate articles. Um, one's kind of a historic piece. And then the, the, the next piece is on NIL. And so, Seth, I'm excited. When can people get when they can pre-order so we, now? I yeah, know. So right now we've got a pre-sale it? going on. And the, the whole idea, we used to do this on Kickstarter, and the pre-sale is basically the next evolution of the Kickstarter instead of Kickstarter taking 10% of the money. All it is is we sell the book plus a digital edition of the book plus a T-shirt, and I make a new T-shirt every year uh, for 50 bucks and plus shipping, and that's available on the site right now. And you yes. can like reserve your copy right now if you want to do that. When that's done, we'll have a few hundred books that aren't sold yet, and we will put them on, the, on sale. They'll it will be on our site, and you can race and be one of the first people to, to grab a, a copy of the book. And that's when people will be able to get that separately. I'm not printing enough copies this year. There's a paper issue in the industry, and that's why. Okay, so we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the shirt. Now, listen, <laughs> you guys have made some incredible, fun, creative shirts, ideas, memes, things that maybe the MGO blog crew and beyond would know about you know, the teasing of Ohio shirts and things are very popular, almost ubiquitous. This is a new level, okay? So we got to get into this. Steve, you've seen the design for this shirt. Right. The big thing here is if you recognize it within a few seconds, this separates you from a Michigan fan compared to an Ohio State fan. Because I'm, you give the Buckeyes an hour, they may not be able to figure out what this shirt is. If you give the Buckeyes an hour, they may be able to figure out what state it is. <laughs> so, so I'll put obviously a picture and links to Hail to the Victors, which which is an amazing preseason guide. So I get my my team reports from two people. Number one, that's Steve Clark on the radio as he leads up to the year. Steve previews every year on WTKA. The second piece is in Hail to the Victors, which has everything from analysis to uh, the preseason, the team breakdowns, obviously to breaking down Michigan in the depth chart by position category, and then all these other things like the things I do, like Old Blue, which is historical articles and things like that. And I think Crick is, speaking of Crick, I believe he's contributing this year? Yes. Yeah, okay. Crick, Crick's got an article to kind of deflate everybody because the previews are so positive. And oh, right. <laughs> you'll, so you'll get through, like, 
you know, oh, quarterback, awesome. Running back, ridiculous, right? Like, <laughs> you get through all the, the, the offensive line, they won every single Joe Moore award ever, just ever given out. And, like, you get to the end of that thing, and you're, like, so positive about the season. So Crick comes in, and it's just like, wait a minute, 1981. And, and like, <laughs> Reminds people that Michigan has been ranked in the top three before preseason. Right. So and, high and expectations. What can happen. Right. Ridiculously high expectations heading the season. And then I already know the end of the story, which is usually <laughs> some sort of disaster or several along the way. Well, that, yeah. But there's also times when it doesn't. And he, do, he does make some comparisons between Jim Harbaugh's preparation this year and how Fielding Yost approached 1902 which I'm, right. I'm sure you're going to love. And everyone else is like, what do you mean? Like, 1901 is, like, arguably the best football season a college football team ever had. And then he made the 1902 team almost as good or better, you can argue, whatever you want to. It, you're At that point, you're arguing over, you know, which team was better, the one that outscored every opponent 555 to zero or 447 and two or something. Right. right? And I think yeah. Crick would actually argue the 1902 team is better. But – yeah. Yeah, we've actually talked about the 1902 season, Steve. That was, if you remember, that little barstool clip was that that was right. the year they picked that we talked about in an early episode. But so I got to get back to the shirt, though. So yeah. Okay. So tips for driving in Ohio, and then you see what Michigan people recognize as a map of Ohio, and it's divided in six sections, and each section is an X's and O diagram of one of the plays in the 2022 game with a clever line like hit the gas. And I believe that's one of the big, long touchdown runs. Uh-huh. It's brilliant. Tell us who came up with this idea. What what was the origins of it? I got to know because it's right, amazing. So I, one of my most popular articles ever was after the game this year. And it was called The Touchdowns in Ohio. And I just broke down all six touchdowns that Michigan scored against Ohio State, which are I you can go and MGO blog the touchdowns in Ohio and you'll find it called Next Sharpies Touchdowns in Ohio. During the football season I write a article kind of breaking X and O's things down. The concept of that is I want to take something complex that happened on the field and break it down so that my mother would understand it. And at that point you'll be able to, you know, if you read this article you don't have to, like, know football that well. You just have to, like, be able – but you'll be able to see something next time you go out and watch football. You'll be like, oh, they're doing that. They moved him over here for this reason. Or when they see this play again, you can be like, I know what happened right there. You know, Zinter bonked that guy so hard that Oluwatimi had an easy block, and there they are, right? Or this guy went the wrong. It makes it really simple to break it down. So I'd already drawn up all six of these plays. I actually put them on PowerPoint is the way I draw up these plays. I have, like, a – a PowerPoint presentation that I already kind of have made up, and I have a very accurate just, um, version of the field that goes behind it, so I have everybody in the right spot, and then I just draw the lines. So I'd already had the drawing made, and every year we kind of come up with ideas, and I'd already made a shirt, actually, off of one of them. I, I called it 85 Yards Through the Heart of Ohio, and I'd drawn Brilliant. up... <laughs> Brilliant. The 85-yard touchdown run. Winning is yeah. so great. That's brilliant. Go ahead. The shirt, honestly, it was actually based off of an Ohio State shirt. It was the 11 Warriors did a shirt when they beat Alabama, and they did a shirt celebrating this, uh, this QB power uh, play that they always ran back then. They did that, and they call, it was uh, you know, 75 yards through the heart of the Southland was the shirt. And it sold really well on 11 Warriors. So that was the concept originally. And then I w- 
kept on playing with it. I just had my file open and I was kept on messing around and then I added the other ones and then I had the shirt and I, you know, tweaked the design a little bit, but it was just the four, the six plays. And I'm like, people aren't going to understand what these are. So when I was like naming the plays so people would understand what they were, there's rules, right? You can't just go and use like players' names. I can't say like Edwards touchdown, right? Yeah. So there's, there's certain rules, but what you can do is draw up a play. No one owns the rights to a play. Not so yet. I needed titles that would describe <laughs> what they were without, and, and so then I just started, I started coming up with, you know, avoid this intersection, check for alternate routes, and it was stay in your lane, always look both ways, and, and it just wrote itself at that point. Once I had the theme, it was obvious, you know, what the, each one should be called, and the only thing is they kind of look out of order, and it's because there's no good way to break up Ohio into six things, and some plays, like, are a little more condensed than others, and so they had to kind of fit where they fit. So when you look at it, it's like, why is number five and number six on the far left and number three and four on the far right? And, like, it, it, that's why. I couldn't fit them otherwise. It, 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 it would look terrible otherwise. Seth, it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece of a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I, would, I never thought I would say these words. You, you're, so you sold it along with the book. Yeah. I don't think it's any disrespect to say, I'm guessing a lot of people bought the shirt <laughs> and are getting the book. It's, yeah. it's the other way around because it's brilliant. And I imagine <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm sure you. I don't know if you could talk about your sales, but sure, must sure. Be, I don't, they no, have I don't mind to telling be. people. We have 1,600. It's 1,626 sold so far. Plus, some people get some free ones. Dooley's one of them, and we're at 97,942 dollars in sales right now. Oh my god! So I assume at some point after the guide is out and all that, you will also offer the shirt uh, independently. I, I assume. I assume yeah. we will. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's brilliant, man. I want poster size. That's awesome. So again, where can they get Hail to the Victors? I uh, go to mgoblog.com and you'll see it right there. You can also go to um, mgoblogstore.com. If you go to mgoblog.com, it's on the right. It says HTTV 2003 with an exclamation mark. You can see a picture of the shirt with the book sitting next to it. The pre-sale is the best deal you're going to be able to get because you'll get the book. You'll get the digital edition of the book, too, which is a PDF, as soon as we're done making it. So as soon as I send it to the printer, I'll send a PDF out to all the readers as well. So you don't have to like wait until the book shows up on your doorstep to start reading it. You can just grab the PDF, and you will be guaranteed a copy of the book, which I cannot guarantee because paper is really, really hard to get these days. And that's actually a big cost of the book this year is just scrounging up enough for the high quality paper we need so that's why i'm only printing 2000 copies awesome and i and i can i just add one thing the layout the way you guys do the layout and how you you know even on, on the history articles the photos you guys find and use the captions are brilliant it's just so well done Seth. so congratulations well, so i i gotta shout some people us, out man. for that i got courtney fathers from uh my old work at bnp media and she also works with the red wings and a whole bunch of uh, hockey programs. She's a she's a big time hockey player. Uh, so she does all the layouts. Uh, and then the photos, man. Like we have some photographers on my staff. I have no idea how I'm lo- so lucky to have like Patrick Barron and Brian Fuller. Um, and we have guys like David Wilcombs, uh, who and Pat Sherman, who will, um, like sorry Paul Sherman, who will help us. Uh, you know, because they live nearby to uh, certain teams, and. Like so, we get those great photos to begin with, and we just have so many to go through. And then the Bentley Library puts all these photos available. Like anything they've scanned before is available on their website, and they—it's nobody but Michigan has that. Like Michigan was the first school to even grant a blog 
access to the press room. I, ironically, it was Brian Cook who had no interest in being in the press room, but <laughs> that's Michigan gives us that opportunity and lets us have those, and, and we get those photos. And our photographers are so talented. And then having the Bentley Library, I've tried to do historical articles on other schools before, and their libraries are nothing like the Bentley. So having those guys is really what makes it possible, I think, for Michigan fans to have access to all this history of ours. He's the editor and business manager for MGO Blog is Seth Fisher, and 500,000 people read what Seth Fisher and Brian Cook have to write about during the course of the football season. So if you aren't one of those half million people, you should check it out, MGO Blog. When we talk to you next, Seth, i got to hear about the outtakes that you have on the WTK Roundtable uh, because it's the stuff that doesn't make it to air, which is really, really good, but it can be accessed. We'll have to talk about that some other time. Thanks for joining us today. Yep, thank you, guys. Thanks, Seth. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and thank you for subscribing. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review, and then share it with others. Your reactions make the work rewarding. Special thanks to Nick Hopwood, our sponsor. If you need a certified financial planner or think you could do better with one, go to peakwm.com.